Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. We're beginning a study in the book of Philippians. Don't turn there yet. We're in the introductory, introductory part. Introductions in Scripture oftentimes don't get the creds they deserve. Uh, introductions oftentimes are like read and it's like, can we just get past that, blah, 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 to you, whatever. Uh, can we just get to the meat of the text? And yet there are some introductions that demand our pause and uh, are worthy of our attention. And this is one of those. This is one of the sweetest, most affectionate introductions in all of Scripture. And we're going to pause in it, not rush through it. Last Sunday, Pastor Nate took that first uh, paragraph that was there, rejoicing in our story. Um, by the way, he and I are tag-teaming he was last Sunday, I'm this Sunday, then him, then me, then him, then me, then he's going to take three Sundays, and then it's our, our final Sunday when uh, life will change uh, for me. Um, I want to read this one more time before we dive into it, because I actually want us to underline some things in the text uh, upon the screen in this second paragraph, just to get kind of some of the the deal of it. So let me read it again. You follow along. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. His introduction continues. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. And I am sure of this. Sure of what? that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. By the way, all of this part down until that last sentence is all one sentence in the original language, and it just continues to flow 
It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. By the way, those last four words, the affection of Christ Jesus, there's a sermon right there. These are sincere words. These are very affectionate words. By the way, just as a side note, as a side point, this is the Apostle Paul. Paul, stud, Paul. Hey, real men can be affectionate men. Okay? Real men can be affectionate. My preparation this week began kind of as it normally does with a text like this where it's just reading it again and again and again and again and just different versions and even different, if you will, angles, standing, sitting. (laughs) And the Apostle Paul is just communicating this genuinely authentic love for these people. So sweet. Then after that, I go to the commentaries and Man, I love commentaries, and I love scholars, and I'm so grateful for them. This one frustrated me, though, I have to say. Because when I go to the commentaries, it all of a sudden turns into a didactic talk. An analytical conversation, a scholarly conversation, which is fine, but it's like the emotion is lost. It's kind of like, oh, I'll just tell you what some of the points were on the conversation in some of the commentaries. It's uh, kind of essentially, this is kind of a, key, a text teaching about key elements of prayer. Okay. This is a, a text that's talking about the components of biblical joy. Okay. Here's a text that can help us see how to be influencers in our disciple making for Christ. Okay. And then a whole lot of conversation is verses three through eight, one sentence or two sentences. Um, I I think it's two. That very last sentence in the English is the second sentence. All the rest is one sentence. Thought flows, and if you read it that way, it's even sweeter. I appreciate them and uh, for all that, but but I just stepped back and I just thought. What if the Apostle Paul is just trying to tell them how blasted much he loves them? What if he just wanted them to know? Sorry crazy amounts of emotion going on here today, not only in my wife and I's life with some other things and Nick and Jill's life, so I'm praying the Lord just uses it. Bear with me. And then you get a text like this. What if he just wanted them to know how much their partnership in the gospel meant to him? 
Why is it sometimes that we have a hard time sitting in the emotion? Why do we have to move on to the didactic analytics? Well, we don't have to, and we're not going to. So we're going to sit in it verse by verse. If you haven't already, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. Loved ones, in our broken world, God's people living in real deal, loving, enduring gospel partnership is a beautiful, God-glorifying thing. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but we live in a really mad, angry world right now where it's kind of like what people want to talk about is how they're ticked off. I understand. It's a maddening world. But I want to kind of make five observations out of this text, all beginning with the word vertical, because this isn't about just another horizontal relationship. This isn't just about a horizontal how to have buds and friends and besties. If it goes there, we're in the wrong realm This is a vertical reality. This is a thing that Paul is talking about. Yes, there's a horizontal dynamic, but that horizontal dynamic is taking place in the reality of a vertical fullness. Take out the vertical and it's just like any other relationship. Just go read another How to Have Friends and Besties book. But it's a vertical reality. So let's lean into this. Verse 3, I thank my God. By the way, that's a personal relationship with the Lord. I thank not just God, uh, not just the Trinity, I, I thank my God. I thank my God in all my remembrance. That's a lot of remembrance. At least you sure get that idea. It's not like I've thought about you three times and I'm going to exaggerate it to all. I mean, I think the text here is the idea that there's been a lot of remembering. There's been a a lot of recollecting. There's been a, a lot of thought about who? About you, and that's plural in the in Greek language. That's not a you individually. It's not a you to the key leader. It's not a you to the singular person. It's a you to the all of it. And that's who he was writing. In the first paragraph, we already talked about that. To the believers in Philippi, as I am remembering you, vertical remembrance is part of gospel partnership. Vertical remembrance. By the way, this kind of remembrance requires history. It requires time. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes place over some time. It can be quick in this. Paul wasn't with them for 10 years, but this is a time where Paul is literally chained to a Roman guard under house arrest for being a proclaimer of Christ. By the way, that throws out the prosperity gospel. He's there. He can't do ministry the way he's used to doing ministry. And you would think this would be a time where he would kind of be like, well, I don't know, miffed off. And, and what's he doing in this time? He's remembering people. By the way, that's a huge deal to me. I don't know what you think of me and me up here and all that whole thing, but I just am a regular guy. I was a lay guy for 20 years. I just, all I wanted to do is disciple some more people. That's all I wanted to do. And, and 
in this, it's a, sometimes we can, we can uh, think that uh, uh, there's this bigness about certain ones, but hey, friends, we're all redeemed by the same Christ, and we're all redeemed in the same way. And we're at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. And here, yet I will say, this sounds contrary to what I just said, this is the Apostle Paul. Right? I mean, come on. It's not me and it's not you. It's the Apostle Paul. And I just want to know, he's remembering them all. Uh, why do I say that? Why do I lean into that? Because he doesn't see them as a data diagnostic point on his ministry career success chart. In his second ministry tour, he comes to Philippi. And ministry begins happening. And out of this, he's recollecting all of this. They're not a data point. They, they weren't a thing for his career, for his pat on the back, for his to be able to tell other uh, ministry people how his ministry is bigger than theirs. Oh, blast it out with that Amen. stuff. Amen. People aren't a data point to Paul. People matter. And that's what you read out of this text. He loves these people. Sometimes don't you wonder if you really matter? Whether anyone really cares? You know what I mean? Uh, no? I'm straight up with it. Sometimes I do. I wonder. We just go through that. Sometimes you just wonder, does anyone give any thought about your soul and your situation? You know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. Or do others or even does leadership think about you as a data diagnostic point on their success chart? Or you're just a pool of people within the count? Oh, God, no. May that never be. And by the way, don't just think about that in my role or pastor's or elder's role or leader's role, but it's this exact same point, small group leaders, student ministry leaders, kids ministry leaders, your own self and your own life. Hey, we are proud by nature. And it's a sweet, sweet thing when Someone just tells you, you matter. Real deal gospel partnership is filled with real deal vertical remembrance of one another. You see, already Paul, he could have been sitting there in the beginning starting out, and frankly, I probably would have started out where, okay, hey, I'm writing this to you guys. Let me tell you how this just stinks. I mean, I'm next to this guy who I don't even like the dude. I'm chained. I'm under house arrest for following the Lord. Like, clearly, Lord, you don't know what you're doing, do you? Like, are you anywhere in this? Like, I'm the Apostle Paul, and you've put me over here. Clearly, you know that you need me. <laughs> you're making a big mistake by holding me back from doing your thing. 
right? Maybe God needed to sit Paul down just to remind him, Paul, listen, I'm using you in big ways, but frankly, just remember, you're not that hot. (laughs) And in fact, maybe rather than talking all the time, maybe you just need to be face down in prayer for a while. There's some amazing things in this text. Thank my God and all my remembrance of you, verse four, always in every prayer of mine for you all making, uh, for you all making my prayer with joy. Vertical prayer is, is part of gospel partnership. And, and again, that's like, yeah, you know, we're supposed to pray. No, to just lean in, let's lean into this just for a moment. Paul here has been put in a situation where what else can he do but pray? Well, he actually doesn't have to, but he is. And he realizes that probably one of the most important things I could be doing right now in my situation, set aside by the hand of the sovereign Lord right now in this whole situation, one of the greatest things I can be doing is praying for the peeps that I loved so dearly. And you can almost just see him going through, not as data points, but as people, as souls. And he's praying for them and he's calling out for God to step into their lives in increasing ways, to show up in increasing ways, to to do for his glory, God's glory in increasing ways. Listen, vertical prayer is personal. This is personal prayer. This is not formulaic prayer. Vertical kind of prayer in a gospel partnership is regular and often, and it's for you all, not just as data points, but, but can I say, even as faces, even as, as, a, as a relational heart uh, reality with what is taking place. And it's for what God can do, not for praying for what they can do for themselves or how, how they can muster up the strength in themselves. It's praying that God would do a work This is the picture of a soul on their knees at work in gospel partnership. No, might we grow in this. Men, kids, women, oh, might we grow in this, right? on our knees in utter dependence, not just for our own lives, but for other lives with sincerity. And if you don't know what you can be praying for other people, um, it's, it's time to lean out of yourselves. And this prayer, by the way, is in a context of vertical partnership. Look at verse five. Because of your partnership, he's talking to the Philippians, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the very first day, Paul saw it as a partnership thing. I want to come in and I want to come into some partnering relationships. I would call that discipleship. Some discipleship kinds of relationships. Not where I'm trying to build up my posse to be able to show my stuff or to be able to brag about what I've accomplished Uh, under the guise of the Lord, but really I want to develop disciples for Christ. Like, let's get at it. Let's do it. Whether it's three, whether it's a hundred, whatever it is, God, might you do a a work in that? 
It's a partnership thing. By the way, this partnership, you can even just maybe imagine him going back to some of the things that we do know that took place there. Paul coming into this town and his pastor Nate took us to last Sunday telling us about uh, God leading him and, and, and he meets Lydia and, and Lydia comes to Christ. By the way, we could maybe call Lydia the, the, the first convert to Christ in all of Europe. Way to go, ladies. Way to go. And, and in that, uh, she comes, and then we have this story about this possessed girl, and I'm sure he's thinking of these things that are taking place, but I guarantee you it's more than just the events that we know about in Scripture. It's all the evening times with people, and the lunches with people, and the situations with people, and the time he was with people and just remembering them and savoring over them and loving them and so grateful for them and praying for what he knows about their situations. There's a partnership here. It's 10 years later that he's writing this from when he first met them. He hasn't been with them for 10 years, but but he's writing this uh, 10 years later and, and it's like he still loves them deeply, right? It's like they matter to him. Their souls matter. And there's a partnership. Yeah, they sent uh, uh, supplies and, and, and money to him in his situation. And, and yes, he's praying for them. And all. there's just this partnership thing. It, it, it's not besties. It's a partnership. Hey, God's people, uh, I want to throw something out here. I think sometimes we need to think less about God's people finding besties and God's people finding uh, same-stage life people and God's people finding uh, look-alike people and God's people finding, you know, some of that kind of people. Listen, you can go into a room with any person, any age, any stage, and they are a soul, and you have an opportunity to love them and partner with them. And that's small groups. It's not about your leader. It's not even about the other people in your small group. It's the same thing with student ministries. It's not about whether you have the coolest of of the leads or whether you have the coolest of the other students with you. It's just the fact that God has brought some souls together that you get to have the opportunity to lean in. And the question is, is, are you taking advantage of it? Or are you expecting them to make it all happen? Lean into it. Partnership is reciprocal. Let me say that again. Partnership, gospel partnership is a reciprocal reality. Do you view relationship with other of God's people that way? The church that way? Your small group that way? Or is it all about what you get out of it? And I'm asking the same thing of me. Iron sharpens iron, the Proverbs say. Iron, referencing a person, and iron. When those irons, those swords come together and they contact each other and then rub, work, even sometimes bring friction with each other. And some heat happens. But what takes place out of all that? Well, sharpening. Statement. A sword left unto itself will always become dull. 
left unto himself, left unto herself, will always become dull. It's in contact with where growth happens. Friend of ours, Sue, went to be with the Lord a week or so ago. She was 59 years old. Her husband, Kent, and her three adult children remain. She died of lung cancer. 30, 35 years ago, I wanted to make a joke saying that Karen and I were young, but it won't work there. 30, 35 years ago, Karen and I had this posse of some 10 other couples that by God's grace, really, I don't even think of knowing it at the time became an iron sharpening iron reality. We were all pretty much newly married. I mean, we went through life. We came in contact with each other through our church. Uh, the church kind of was the collecting point, but by God's grace, we just took it from there with not even really knowing what we were doing. It just happened to be that there were 10 couples kind of at a similar stage of life that kind of came around each other and began over those years developing a relationship with each other. And I would just say it this way, just these 10 couples, we just wanted to know the Lord more and serve him more. In whatever way that might be. We had kids together. I mean, not together, but you know what I mean. We had, uh, <laughs> not one of those. Um, we served together, we worshiped together, we, we had fun together. Sue was one of those. So this week, many of us had the opportunity to get together up on the north side of Indianapolis and just remembered together. I might be able to stand here before you and give some accomplishments that maybe God's allowed me to do or this or that or blah, 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 blah. But I got to tell you, those 10. In that time, it's one of the highlights of our life. All are still married. All are still serving the Lord. I'm just trying to put some skin on what gospel partnership can look like. I don't even thankful. 
your partnership from the first day. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, verse six. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, plural, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, vertical surety. I kind of have to go through this quickly because of time here, but just some notes on here. It's an assurance. Paul's making a comment about a certainty, about a confidence. It's about a factuality, not in themselves, but in the Lord. In the fact that when God brings people together and people lean into each other, that God will do a work there. God will do a work. And the fact of the matter is, as he looks back at these people, he knows that he didn't bring them to Christ. The Lord brought them to himself. Listen, friends, we are so totally depraved at our core, Ephesians 2, 1, uh, and you were dead in your sins upon sins. Every one of us starts out with that, at that place before the Lord, unholy and, 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 and total depravity, and yet in that dead people can bring themselves back to life. Someone on the outside has to come back and bring them back to life. And the truth of the matter is, is that the Lord works in a soul that they would even come to the place where they could see and understand that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you can be redeemed out of your totally depraved, hell-headed direction. And Paul has a surety that Christ began that work and that he is going to continue that work Part of the question is, is are we partnering with the Lord? Sometimes he's got to fight more. But the Lord is going to do a work because the Lord is the one who is at work. And by the way, when the day comes and we see the Lord or the Lord returns or in, in the final eternal state of it all, we are not going to say, oh man, yeah, I earned my way. We're all going to be in a place where it's like, I do not belong here. And yet by the grace of God and the work of my life, he has redeemed me and he did a work in me. And Paul is referencing that surety in it. And this is kind of one of the things that makes this partnership, it's not just a horizontal thing, it's a vertical thing. It's a vertical surety that God is going to do a work in us. And when my soul feels dry and when your days seem dark, when our surety is in, uh, or our surety with God is in a low place, when we're not in gospel partnership, swords become dull. But when we are, we help each other. Do you have people like that? Do you have people like that? If you don't, I'm calling for personal responsibility today. It's time. It's time. And I don't mean just sign up for a small group or get involved in some serving. I'm talking about getting in a small group and lean into people, whether they're like you or not. I didn't say whether they like you or not. <laughs> clarification. 
Lastly, vertical affection, verses seven through eight. I just want us to know, Paul isn't saying all of this and um, mad at them. <laughs> well, just listen. This is continuing the sentence, by the way. Verse seven. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, which where they assisted him, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel and their partnership in the gospel together. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. By the way, not just a human affection, but an unlike affection, a Christ-like affection, a vertical affection. He understands that this affection that is going on in him for these people is not just any old affection for other people. It is a vertical, dynamic, a Christ-like, a, 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 it's totally different. It's a God thing. Not just a human thing. And he puts these words feel and affection in. Oh, and if I understand right, the Spirit of God is the one who is behind the penning of these words. I don't think the Spirit of God is in this like, whoa, 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 pa Paul, uh, erase that. You're getting a little too much emotion in this. Uh, the Spirit of God is like, yeah, that's it. That's for me. I feel the affection. It's a deepness. And this really should, in a, in a mad, angry world, this should cause us, if people are becoming an annoyance, and friends, I'm just straight on the table at times, it's becoming hard in life, isn't it? It's easy to get just, I want to just separate from people because they're hard and they're crunchy. Right? But I am so glad that that is not Jesus' attitude. He loves you. He loves you. Yeah, but Doug, I'm broken and I'm messed up. You don't even know stuff. He loves you. These words from Paul, this is like the first Hallmark card ever written. Yet it's his own penned hallmark words from him. Yet the Spirit of God is behind every one of them. Gospel partnership isn't some formulaic structured spreadsheet. That's not what's being talked about here. I'm not anti-spreadsheets. I actually like spreadsheets. But it's not analytical. It's real. And, and maybe that comes natural to you. Even the affection comes natural to you. Maybe it doesn't for you. Maybe it's harder for you. Maybe words of affection aren't high on your <laughs> whatever personality test.
Let us all understand that Paul is not telling us to live by our feelings. Oh, not that. Living by your feelings is a call to disaster. He's calling us to something else. It's not set aside our feelings. It's not put the feelings in the back trunk. Even in this, this would be an argument for even our God is an affectionate, loving, feeling God. And out of that, we should have that. Oh, what a light that would be in a dark, angry world. And when Paul is praying over these people, he's praying with deep feelings and deep affection. That's a faction of Christ. Man, I'm still sitting in that one. Paul knows that the one who created them in a Psalm 130 kind of way loves them deeply. He knows the Lord loves them like that. Paul knows that the one who created and loves them deeply sacrificially went to the cross for them because they couldn't even save their own sad souls. And rather than being ticked off and annoyed, and it's like, ha, off with it, he's like, I'll step in for him. Why? Because I love them. An affection like Christ. Paul knows that the Father and the Son and the Spirit who are working and redeeming them is the very Godhead that will do a finishing work in them for sure. And from that, Paul sees them and sees ministry from that place. Oh, might that be our place? In our homes, in our lives, in our church. So how do we walk away from this? Well, the series that we're in is rejoicing in what matters. So question, what matters most here out of this text? Is it uh, items of prayer? I think there's some, there's some truths there. Are there. Is it about joy? I mean, there's some things to learn there. Is it about being an influencer and disciple-making, I, I think you can learn some things there, but I don't think that's what matters most. And I think if Paul were here, he would be like, that's not what mattered most there. What mattered most was that I was trying just to tell these people that I love them dearly and sincerely. And doing gospel partnership with them was the best thing that could ever happen. Maybe you have such gospel partnering relations going on. Man, I want to encourage you. Two things. I want to encourage you to continue leaning and pouring into them. As a guy who's getting older and older, I can pick out high points of life. But what's happening more and more is the high points with people are the high points. Lean into them more. Secondly, can I ask you 
maybe you consider writing a Hallmark card to them and letting them know how grateful you are for them. I'm not asking that for me in light of my leaving this role here in another two months. I'm asking that amongst each other. If that's the case, time tells us you don't always have the opportunity to say that. And I just want to lean into the emotion of that. And then lastly, maybe you're thinking, well, Doug, I don't have this kind of gospel partnering thing going on that you're like talking about. Then it's time for you to get serious about it. Well, Doug, what are you going to do to make that happen? I preached it. It's time for you to do it. I'm actually very serious about that. God's people, there's a self-responsibility reality. Pray for it, lean into it, go for it. Closing. Talked with Nick, uh, worship team, you can come on out. Um, I talked with Nick about closing and I said, I just would like, what, what if we just do a song together that's a we song, not a Scottish we song, short song, <laughs> but a W-E us song, like a song or something that it's us together, kind of ex- like an example of a full gospel partnership, all of us just declaring unto the Lord with lots of words of we and our unto the Lord in a verticality kind of a way. And, and so... Uh, we're going to sing adoration here. This goes back a ways, uh, Brenton um, um, Brown. In uh, 2008, the year this church started, was when this song came out. And so uh, uh, would you stand and, and let's sing this in the kind of a way of, of a partnership together unto the Lord and Lord receive our adoration. Amen.